What's up, party people? It's Talib Kweli, the BKMC, the MCEO. I love the fact that y'all checking out the People's Party and showing us a lot of love. You know what we do? We bringing you all the live guests. We bringing you the best podcast on the internet. Just make sure you subscribe and leave a review. People's Party, Talib Kweli. Let's go. What's up, party people in the place to be? You're now rocking with Talib Kweli. I am the host of The People's Party. And today we have another wonderful episode of The People's Party featuring my homegirl Jasmine Lee. Oh, hello. Give it up for Jasmine Lee. Yeah, myself, Talib Kweli. How you doing, Jasmine? I'm doing great. I like your business suit. Do you, do you like it? It's business in the front, but sexy underneath. <laughs> oh, I see, I see, I see. <laughs> your belt looks like you're buckled in on a flight. I am. I'm ready to go. Okay. Well, we're ready to take off. Yeah. We're going to fly through the stratosphere today. Today's guest is a very special guest. He's not just a guest of the People's Party because he's a outstanding artist. He's also an outstanding individual, an outstanding human being. He's one of my best friends in this music business. I consider him a mentor. Oh. He is the king of freestyle, hip-hop freestyle. You know, it's like Fife Dog said in the mortal words of Fife Dog, freestyle fanatic, probably the best around. A Guinness Book of World Records holder for longest freestyle rap, a battle rap champion, a hip-hop historian, a gentleman, and a scholar. We got Supernatural in the place to be. Yeah! Yeah! yeah. What up, Nat? Good to see you, Loving that jacket. Thank you. Looking great, brother. Trying, trying. Trying to stay in shape, physically fit. Mind, mind right. Yeah, man, you and me, um, in case people don't know, Supernat is one of my good, good friends, one of my best friends, definitely in this business. Um, we've been on the phone lately, and um, you've been your workout regimen has been crazy, oh, and I yeah. can see the results. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I I thought you know sometimes people don't realize if the one thing you can take control of is your body mm-hmm. first. No doubt. If you can control that, then I think you can kind of balance everything out. You know, no doubt. I used to be like two hundred and eighty pounds almost, two two seventy five. You know, and just started eating right and changing my diet and really just got dedicated to the jump rope. I was telling Farrell real quick, Farrell, me and Farrell was talking one day and he said, uh, how did you get nice on the rope? Uh-huh. And I told him it's the hip hop routine. Uh-huh. So you take three songs that you love, your three favorite hip hop joints, mm-hmm. and you jump on the verses and rest on the hooks. Oh, so that, you know, everybody loves their favorite music. You mm-hmm. know the lyrics. And if you really want to practice on your breath control. You do that every to, morning. I do that at least four or five days out of the week. I take a couple of days off to let the body recoup. But okay. I do that with a combination right. of all this stuff. Music is yeah. the soul of a lot of people work a lot of people's workouts because sometimes counting doesn't get you through it. But listening to that song gives you that motivation. And if you start singing the lyrics, you forget that you're working out. Exactly. Yeah. And like three songs probably come out to like 15 minutes. And if you add on two more, then you got 30 minute workout no doubt. You know, with your favorite joints. No doubt. So, um, so far on the show, we've had some great guests. Uh, we had Robert Glasper here. And on that day, we had asked them a question of if you had to pick, what was it? What was it? The top five? Yeah. It's like a top five, your, your battle, you know, all stars, like your, your, your starting five battle rap lineup. And you made everybody's list. Wow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow, that's dope. How does uh, that make you feel? That makes me feel good. Like, 
honestly, like sometimes I I stay I stay off in the corner a little too much. So you know to hear things like that, just to know that I'm still on the minds of the people mm-hmm. for for my contribution, that makes me feel wonderful. You know, that's that I think that's super dope. You see the smile on my face. Like, <laughs> it's evident. You know, it's very no hard doubt. for me to fake a smile. No doubt. So yeah, good looking out, family. You know, Asia, Glass for all of y'all. You put me on the team. That's dope. No doubt. Glad to be in the top five. Now you're from Marion, Indiana. Wow. Yes, indeed. Right. Um, Freddie Gibbs, he's from Marion. No, no, Freddie Gibbs is from Gary, um, Gary, Gary, Indiana. He's yeah. a little few, few, few minutes old. Okay. Just as rough and just as fucked up. Okay. Uh, you fuck with Gibbs music? Oh, yeah, I love Gibbs. Okay. Actually, my cousin brought Freddie Gibbs to my house. for. I went home to visit my mother for Christmas one mm-hmm. time, and I have a cousin. He called himself Daddy Rich. And he was just one of those little young cats that was really ambitious, that was just like, he had the wrapped car first, mm-hmm. he, you know, like that whole Master Pierre where everything had the little ding. Yeah. You know, so um, he told me about this kid named Freddie Gibbs. And yeah. he brought him to my house. And I reminded Gibbs about that. Like, I was just home visiting my Duke, and that's how I met him. And then, like, three or four years from that day, Gibbs mm-hmm. became that guy. You no know? doubt. Shout out to Freddie Gibbs. Yeah, shout out to Freddie Gibbs, man. Incredible artist. Is there anybody else hip hop wise from Indiana that we should be checking for that we don't know about? My son. Okay. Okay. Yeah, my son. Keep it Haji. in the family. Shout out to Haji. Yeah, he's the, the homie. <laughs> you know how I watch him grow up. No doubt. Um, I think one thing that's very unique about Marion that a lot of people don't ever really get to know, and this is a reference to Chuck D, mm-hmm. is that there was a. Um, and you know, this is the sad part about that place is that uh, there was an album cover or at least a single cover for Hazy Shade of Criminal mm-hmm. when Chuck did the whole Arizona when he was doing that whole thing. Right. And uh, there's a hanging. The picture is of a lynching. It's one of the most famous it's lynching pictures. It's one of the pictures. most I- iconic lynching yeah. pictures in history. That's Marion, Indiana. Mm. Mm-hmm. So when I chose to embark on a conscious path, you know, or at least to try to say something in my music, that was always my catalyst. Mm-hmm. You know, still to this day, when I see that picture, my body gets a particular feeling because mm-hmm. my grandmother went to school with those people mm-hmm. that are actually hanging from that. Wow. And then, like, 20 years later, to be in hip-hop and to see an iconic figure like Chuck D use that, mm-hmm. you know, Marion plays a significant role in changing the dynamic of how I thought as a young black man and saying, yo, I can't just get on the mic and talk about bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I have a responsibility to those people there as well as around the world. You know, that picture right. is is haunting still to this day. Now, when you um first got press, local press in Marion and local local newspaper talking about your album deal on that same day, there was a KKK rally in your town, right? Yep. Can you walk us through that day? Um, what exactly happened? Um, you know, Electra, mm-hmm. it was it was my drop week. You know, it was a big deal for me because we used to always cop all of our records from a black man named Gus Dorsey. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had a record shop called Big D Records. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he made it his business to order all of the newest hip hop stuff that was coming out. Because we had a couple of DJs that threw, you know, house parties and parties Mm -hmm. in the town that they went into whatever was anything hip hop Mm -hmm. that came out. So, um, yeah, the day that my record was released, the week after... If you, I posted a picture recently where you see my album on one side of the newspaper and you see the Ku Klux Klan rally wow. on the other side of the paper. Mm. And my mother just recently showed me this. I 
you know, in my haste, moving around in the world, you forget about those things. Yeah. And my mom, you know, she's always been like the, the steckler for keeping things. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, look at this. Look what mama got. Mm -hmm. And she folded it out. When she folded out the other side, she said, don't forget why you do this. Mm -hmm. Don't forget why you do this. Right up. And that's why Brooklyn and you and everybody else that I met along the way plays a very significant role in this story. Right. You know. Now, what made you want to come Excuse me. to Brooklyn? How did you How did you transition from Marion to Brooklyn, New York? Mm. And at what age was that? Okay. Um, well, I knew I was ready to go to New York at probably about 14, 15 years old. One of the reasons being so was that we had a group of individuals that lived in our city that were called the Butlers. Mm -hmm. You know, Bill Butler, Charles Butler, Jimmy Butler, mm -hmm. Shirley Butler, mm -hmm. and Joe Butler. You know, the Butler family. And they were from the Bronx. They were from Webster Avenue houses. And Eddie Red, you know, during the crack era, you know, was one of the big homies. He would make the moves from, and this is all just true stories. Sometimes you just got to tell the truth. He would make the moves from the Bronx to Indiana. And in that moment, I got in contact and in touch with all of the tapes. Red Alert, the WBLS, you know, with Chuck Chillout, you know, every Saturday. And I would tell him, look, when you bring those tapes, record everything. I want the commercials. I want everything. I, I gotta go to Moe's. I want gotta it all. Yes, go to Moe's. Yes. I want it all at. I want it all at, right? So I would tell him to bring those home. And those tapes became iconic in our neighborhood. Hold on. Ain't no more Moe's? I don't think so. I feel like I've been to like three different uh, I don't think so. clearance sales. Oh, I don't think so. Go. Excuse me, too. Models is the shit. Models. Yeah. Got you looking hot. Models. <laughs> and then you have Vims. V-I-M's. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's all, all New York <laughs> stuff. So I would tell them to record the commercials so that I, I was already familiar with the city. So that was my catalyst. But I remember the summer of me coming to New York City was just like everywhere I went that summer and I rapped, people were like, why are you here? Mm. You need to get out of here. Out of New York or out, out of, of Indiana? Out of Indiana. Okay. Like, you don't need to be here. You got talent. You know, like, even when I tried to, quote, unquote, try to hustle, they was like, get your ass off the block. Right. You got talent. You know, go. So Jimmy, you know, th shout out to Jimmy Butler. He he just always, he was this very flamboyant, mm -hmm. uptown Bronx cat, played ball. He was a basketball fanatic. And so he always eloquated my rhyme style to hooping. He was like, you like a raw hooper that comes to the court with the rock and just does amazing shit on the court. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you just go back home and live your normal life. And he was like, you know, if you he wanted to bring me to New York. That was the ultimate right. plan. But right. he got knocked that summer, mm -hmm. you know. And he was the type of dude, even though he hustled, he wasn't one of those dudes. He had that that thing, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? That 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 energy where you just loved him for him right he and everybody loved him he was he just was that type of cat and he got knocked that summer and i remember my cousins came from long island you know yeah. the marrows right that's where she from the marrows right mm -hmm. long island new york and um my cousin sean and she was a female and her cousin yolanda and there was two twins and um so they came and they stayed the summer for about five or six weeks and they were like yo you should come back with and I'm like, yo, my mama's not going to listen. Let me just bounce <laughs> to New leave. York like this. Right. And so they was like, 
you graduated school, you know. They mm-hmm. were making logical sense. They're like, it's time. So right. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. And I hustled up $500. I think but I got 500 and I got 300 from my mom's ex-boyfriend. Oh, wow. And I had $800 in a green duffel bag. <laughs> and I got on the Amtrak. Mm. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to blow up. You know, you know, it's only going to take me about a week, too. Yeah, but but that was that's how it happened. You know, it was just like being around Jimmy all the time and listening to those tapes. Like, I was the first dude to roll a blunt in my city. Like, I was the first dude to do a lot of shit. The rolling the blunt. Just listening. And then, I mean, I was like, okay, get a cigar. Right. I probably fucked up like seven or eight of them before (laughs) I finally got it, tore them up. But, you know, I did a lot of firsts there. Mm You know, and like I was really one of the first MCs. There was only like three other dudes that rhymed in the town. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one dude named Yogi. He was like the pimp, stylish rapper. You know, <laughs> <laughs> every uh, iteration of, of rapper. Yeah, and then we yeah. had this other guy named Doc Rock, and that was like my arch nemesis. Like we battled each other, so we couldn't <laughs> battle anymore. You know, like we just beat each other up for for sport. Right. And that's how you know. They told me to get out of there, and that's that's how I got to New York. When did you realize you had the gift of freestyling? Not to sound crazy or nothing from the first time I ever said a rhyme. How old were you? 14. And I remember it vividly. Rapper's Delight was the first rap record I ever heard for a lot of people. And um, I would play the hell out of the record. And just like any kid, you get bored. It was almost like a toy, you know, mm-hmm. at first. You know, just that, hearing that, like, wow, look, listen to this. Like, it was magic to my ears almost. What I didn't know was that, this is funny to always say this, when you turn the record over, it was instrumental. instrumental. Oh, yeah. Good times. Right? right. So I turned the record over. For about a month, I rapped their lyrics. Mm. Not, you know, just once again, I got bored. So I was like, I wonder if I give myself like this name. You know, it's almost like comedy at this point because you're laughing at yourself going, uh, am I going to do this? So I gave myself like a little name, Dr. Rap or something like that. You know what I mean? For something really corny. Mine was back. Genesis. <laughs> Sega. Yeah. Sega. Yeah, I, had, no. I, had, I had a song called uh, uh, Words Become Flesh. You know that's I mean? from the book of Genesis. You see what I mean? Yeah. But see, he was already heavy, folks. <laughs> <laughs> you see? That was 14. That My was, rap yeah. name was Fish Tank. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> you have to warn me. I was sipping yeah. it. And, that's, you know, what it <laughs> that's what it is. So, yeah, that's that's how that, that particular thing <laughs> took place. Mm-hmm. was like, you know, when I turned that record over mm-hmm. and I got bored and I started spitting those bars... Mm just off the top of the head and making that up. It was addictive. It became such a part of me like mm-hmm. that. I was, we were forbidden to touch the stereo in the house. You know oh, how your mom's is black like, parents. Yeah. Black parents. Yeah, like a Panasonic or Marantz or some yeah, shit. Like yeah. Big ass speaker. Uh, yeah. I had a, we had a, Ken, had, we had a Kenwood system. Kenwood. My, my, that was my pops. You know, he was, he was, he liked sounds and he right. loved records. <laughs> That's how I ended up getting that record was he loved records. I still have the original set of records that my mom mm-hmm. gave me from back then. Wow. But when I turned that over and I started doing that, it became so infectious and part of my life that I would, you know, do I practiced for at least a year before I even told people I could rap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And then I had a brother that I would share that with. One day we were at a football game in the D block of all places, the uh-huh. D block. And he was like, Rico can rap. <laughs> and I was <laughs> I Just was put like, you right on the spot. I was like, oh, nah, man. Like He was like, nah, you going to get on today. Mm. And so we started. God bless him. Yeah. So you, you need that push sometimes. Rico can rap. And I remember... <laughs> You, I see you went right back to that moment. You could see it vividly. Like. <laughs> I remember it, dude. It was like it was like yesterday. You know, Chris and Doc Rock is right there, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Yo, y'all, y'all should be, y'all should join on each other. Y'all should rap crack, rap you, crack, rap cracking, rap crack. yeah, rap crack." You know, this Marion, you Marion, know? Indiana. Now so cracking, So we start. I did that, and I remember like all the kids in school was just like, "Yo." That is amazing. Like Rico is the shit. Like that Monday when I got back to school, I was I was the man. And that from from that day on, I became like rapping Rico, like all the way mm-hmm. up until I I left. I even did like a song for my school called The Giant Shuffle because we had one of the dopest basketball teams like mm-hmm. ever back then. We were like five time state champions. Dang. You know, we produced a lot of basketball greats. You mm-hmm. know, Zach Randolph is from Marion, mm-hmm. Indiana too. You know, he's a great basketball player as well jail was a few other cats that came right. out of the city that were great but i even did like a a tape for them back then so i was already i don't mean to say it like that but i was already like a rap star in my little town mm-hmm. before i got to new york right so you know? what when did you go from rico price to a rap and rico to supernatural supernatural came from comic books mm-hmm. i was a still am to this day. I love anime. I love comics. I love anything that is art oriented Mm -hmm. like that. So um, when I got into the new music seminar, Mm -hmm. which this is the ring, Mm -hmm. this little ring right here, I wore it today because I figured we'd probably talk about it. I thought I'd I'd pull out a relic, you know what I mean? But um, yeah, that's how I uh, came to the name it was just natural at first. Mm-hmm. But when I got in the news seminar about it, I wanted something to stick. And so when I would freestyle, my brother's name was just like the brothers that I used to run with. Alienation. They, Alienation. They would yeah. be like, yo, man, you don't even you don't even freestyle no more. You just get supernatural with it. And Yeah. Um that's how that came to be. Yeah, I so around the early nineties, nineteen ninety two, ninety three, ninety four. I was spending a lot of time in Washington Square Park. Mm-hmm. And you was making your name known in Washington Square Park. Yes, in I the, was. In the early years. And I would go to Washington Square Park and this man would be freestyling mm. and f- literally freestyle the other rapper out the park. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, just rap, just rap. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> rap the nigga out the park. <laughs> like, and then come back to the, to the main fountain. You know what I'm saying? And, oh, um, God. and he had a crew to Alien Nation. Mm-hmm. And shout out to, to all of them. Yeah, Muhammad, Muhammad Omar, Omar, all, all those them. guys. You, you know, know Omar still loves this guy. To oh, this yeah. Day. That's, He's that's like, you're so Kwali. That's my guy. He always says, he's like, Kwali. Kwali did it. That's his thing. Yo, he's going to die laughing. Yeah. When he's, he's just, I, I, I'm going to have to be sitting with him when we watch oh, him yeah, so yeah. I can film him to oh, send yeah. it to you. But these reaction shots. You know, these guys were a couple years older than me. But I used to go to the park, man. And I used to just be amazed. Like, they used to have it. All of them had dreadlocks. Mm. They used to rhyme. And then, like, the comic book shit. These motherfuckers really thought they was in the comic books for real. For real. They used to tie their dreads together while they rapped. Oh, my goodness. It was <laughs> called, we used to do a routine called Dreads Connect. Yeah. yeah. And um, I remember uh, 
Black Thought spoke about this on the Combat Jack Combat Jack show. Rest in peace to Reggie. Rest Ose. in peace to Reggie Ose, Ose. Combat Jack. This this program, uh, People's Party, is done in his memory. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Reg Reg was a yeah. He was the truly the people's lawyer, the hip hop lawyer. Absolutely, he loved us. He would let nobody jerk you. That's right. Reggie was the type of dude. He really took reverence in protecting the artist. That's right. You know, so I just wanted to shout out no to doubt, him. No doubt, no doubt. But yeah, he uh, Black Thought spoke about that. That was one of our uh, like go to routines. Is like we would take our locks and we would braid them together on stage, wow. and we would lean back so they would form like a little line. Mm-hmm. And we would go back and trade back and forth with the bars, you know, like mm-hmm. MC's trade. And it just, you know, we might twist around backwards and be back to back and do it that way. But it was just something that people just used to find fascinating. It is fascinating. You know, like magic right. power type joints. I mean, me <laughs> like, personally, that's exactly what I thought it was. And um, it was so impressive to me that I would join in. And that's how we met, is that I would come to these to Washington Square. It was Park. always yeah. welcome. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant with your dreads. Oh, no. I had, my dress wasn't long enough. I wasn't, I wasn't nice enough. Yet. But I did have dreads. No, I did have dreads. Yeah, he did. Everybody had dreads back then. Everybody. All of us had dreads. Um, and, um, you know, me and Nat developed a friendship and, and, you know. Beyond the park. Beyond the park. And he, this is what, you got this new music seminar ring. He was winning, winning freestyle battles and new music seminar stuff at this time. And, I was working at Inkiru Books and you moved into the neighborhood that I grew up in, which is the neighborhood that Inkiru Books was located at. Exactly. And you moved to Sackett Place. Sackett Street. Sackett Street on, on Fifth Avenue. Yep. Right? 60605 Sackett. Right. And so Supernatural, while you were living, while he was living there, he got a record deal with Elektra. And so we was friends, but you got the record deal while while we was while we was homies. While we was, homies. I remember coming back right. around the way telling you like that's I, that's how you got that apartment right from yeah, the record deal from the record deal right right right. And so on my lunch break from the bookstore, I would go over Nat's house, and there was a lady that had a restaurant, Miss Carmel's. <laughs> she had <laughs> shout this, out to Miss Carmel, Trinidadian lady. She had these roadies. That we used to eat every fucking day. <laughs> the patties. They was patties. It was patties. patties. Okay. Just making patties. It was patties. Yes. I love um, a good patties. The roadies was Ali's. That was Ali's at Best Stop. Yeah, that's Ali's. Okay, yeah, yeah, on yeah, Fulton. Yeah. yeah. On Fulton. Yeah, okay. This was a part of time in my life where I was like, you know, it's like when you see Batman and he got to go to <laughs> Raj Al Ghul and the League of Shadows and shit and learn the ways. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like that type of shit for me. Like. I remember that. Very yeah, vividly. and I was going over Nat's house every day. You you brought up anime, and you really introduced me to anime. You know, Fist of know, North I, Star, Akira, uh, you know, stuff. When Ninja Scrolls. I heard you say this in another interview one day, and I was just watching you randomly, and it was you know mm-hmm. like checking. They go, my homie, you know, like always looking on you checking, yeah. and you had mentioned that, and I was like, damn, he remembers all of them. <laughs> yeah, it was watched. impactful. And well, I, it made part of our rhymes too. It it added to the. Mm-hmm. The mystique of what we did, in, in my in my in my eyes, it did for me anyway. Right now, you reminded me the other day about how we used to know all the we used to know all the names and locations of all the dope weed spots in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, we did. We acquired Bergen and Underhill. Bergen and Underhill, Franklin and St. John's, Tutti Frutti's, Black Butterfly, Murder, Black Butterfly, Pink Panther. The Pink Panther, I don't that know was if a, I remember that Pink one. Panther, uh, uh, the 
all those joints was Clinton Hill's best dive. The juice bar, juice bar uptown in Harlem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we <coughs> used to drive out there. Yeah, that was a, that, car. That's if somebody like yeah, when yeah, that was a, a big Juju deal car. when we had the car. Like yeah, yo, let's go get Juju you. was on. Mama had a Civic, a little blue Civic. We used and to we pile right uptown. <laughs> I always got my weed delivered. You was doing it big then no, back then. No, no, no. She's just younger than us. Oh, okay. It's a different generation. Okay, okay, yeah. But this, like this... From when I first started smoking, like it wasn't like just a place you go and you get weed. Like, no, no, no. When we start my... smoking, you walk oh. in the store and you be like, yo, let me get a nickel. And sometimes you walk in the wrong spot and they give you a nickel bag of crack. Oh, and no. And you be like, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no not that. I, that's not what I wanted. No, exactly. <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> you New York, New book. York, before dispensaries even became what we know as dispensaries today. New York was probably one of the only places in the United States of America that had weed spots. You can go mm -hmm. and just order. Like weed. we 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 had like yeah. on well, certain Dave days like we, we when Dave Chappelle, hey mm -hmm. black ass, <laughs> that was real shit. That's real shit. Yeah. Like okay, look, what you want today? But me and Kwa's favorite spot when we lived around in Kiru mm -hmm. and in the neighborhood was Bergen and Underhill. Yeah, that was the spot. We used to walk there often. Often. Yeah. Another person that frequented that spot very much so was Biggie. Mm -hmm. Little C's. No doubt. They loved Bergen and Underhill. No doubt. You know, I remember like running into Biggie there one time. Smoking chocolate tie. Yeah. The blacks. Yeah, the blacks. Or the beef. <laughs> it's like we used to make, we used to roll blunts and call them beef and broccoli. Beef and broccoli. <laughs> honey blunts. <laughs> with the shotgun honey blunts. To put oh two my God. Together. Yes. Anything to fucking get high. And, and, and enjoy <laughs> ourselves back there because really what me and Quali did most of the time was freestyle, mm -hmm. watch movies burn trees, mm -hmm. and eat Jamaican food. <laughs> like yard food. What like, has yeah. changed? We just had, what, oxtails? We had trees? We yeah, had... Aki and saltfish just now. Yeah, I see what I mean. Yeah. The real thing, though. <laughs> that's why I say, like, in, in Brooklyn, mm -hmm. that's what's so beautiful about Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Just rap about our borough at that moment. At the moment when me and Kwali met, like, we couldn't, you couldn't walk through Brooklyn without getting culturized. Brooklyn... And, and especially in that area, which the business district was called Bogolan. Um, but, you know, the the intersection of where Ankira was at was really just with Park Slope. But Park Slope wasn't really a part of it. But, you know, you're talking about Fort Greene, yeah. Clinton Hills, Hills. Best-Eye. Best and then that extended to East New York and Brownsville. Um, there was cultural centers. Uh, it was like a spiritual conscious community in Brooklyn that you find a shadow of on YouTube these days. Mm. But it was real life in the flesh back then. Like when I see guys like Sarnetta and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Brother Polite and all those dudes, mm -hmm. they are instant reminder and a throwback right. to an era that we lived in. You right. know, like like it, even in Kiru, like in Kiru was, a, to me, was a watering hole. Mm -hmm. Not only did you have books that were published by, you know, major publishing companies, mm -hmm. you also had books that were published by companies straight out of the hood. Independent. Independent books. Yeah. Like, you know, I got so much Telling knowledge. our own stories. That was the whole point. And, like, when you and most like, came back later on to, like, save the store, mm -hmm. you know, like, that meant so much to me because mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, once again, Kwali has the foresight to see that this is a cultural institution, mm -hmm. you know, for us. Just like Fat Beats was a cultural institution. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's what makes you an incredible MC is that you see beyond the realms of the pen and the pad and know that, I mean, look, it's people's party, right? Right. You know, there's a significance behind even using that 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 name and that that's moniker. Right. That's right. You well, know? you know, we cut from the same cloth, and and that's what it's always been about. It's been about, um, 
yeah, it's been about justice and it's been about culture. Like that's that's the end goal. We were just having a conversation about Yasin Bey, who's you know my good uh, friend and partner Another in rhyme, good brother of ours. Yeah, and um about how he's been so consistent through the years of not rapping about himself. Mm. He's done that every once in a while, but uh, not in, in generally. He's only rapping about spiritual things, and um and I dip in that dip in you know dip into that bag often. But I do rap a lot about myself and being around people like Yasin Bey and coming from a community um, where you had cultural centers, you know, um, like in Kiru or Slave Theater or whatever it was we yeah, were going Taqwa. to. There, yeah. was, there was so many places. Yeah, Queen Afua was out there. The African Islamic Mission was yeah, there. You had, had Dr. York even back in the day with all of his people, you know. That's right. We had the, the African Street Festival. You know, you had the 5% Nation. Mm -hmm. You know, like you have the Yoruba community. This is all in one area mm -hmm. you know what i mean and mm -hmm. that's what's so sad about the gentrification of mm -hmm. brooklyn is that they took away something that i think every black person needs to experience at least once in their life is a full cultural awakening mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and for me coming from indiana and moving into brooklyn that's why i loved brooklyn so much and that's mm -hmm. why i love brooklyn so much to this day because it was like getting seven years of free college education. Mm. But I was I was taking African studies in the streets. Mm -hmm. Right. It was like, I remember the first time I said peace to one of the guards and they said, what's the day's math? And I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. First lesson in life. Mm -hmm. You got to know your math. You got you to be on your dean. You got to be on your square. And that's what Brooklyn taught. You know, I, I, I came from Indiana, Long Island, Marcy Projects. Mm -hmm. Wake up call, right? Mm-hmm. You got to wake up real quick. You got to learn how to flow. Mm -hmm. So my calling card was always my freestyle ability. Mm -hmm. It was undeniable. People right. loved hip hop. Right. I got out of many fights. Right. I got cool with the gods. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people cool over with the gangsters. Cool with the gangsters. Yeah. And it became, that's not. Your mm -hmm. gift. And not only that, they recognize you in New York. When they give you a nickname, mm -hmm. They they, they yeah. recognize that. They That's call that. you that in the hood. Yeah, me, Rubik's Juju, Beef, <coughs> everybody, you know, John Forte, Beef. Mustaf. Yeah, Beef, 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 my man Beef, shout out to Beef. I've been hanging out with him lately. Um, he was on that thread where he was talking about the Weezy. Beef, beef actually is the one that did my logo. Yeah. See, this is how close-knit we were in the hood. Buddha blessed it. Buddha blessed single. it. My first single, that's beef. And I used to do post them stickers at every weed spot in, in the city. Yeah, I gave, I used to give, because Quali was the feat. He was the human feet. He moved everywhere. That was the feet. The feet never stood still. Still. No, he never stood still. Like right. I knew he would when he would come chill with me, I knew he was coming to chill, chill. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing. Me and Choir weren't the like one hour, see you later dudes. Mm -hmm. Like, no, we would burn it down, watch films, build about the yeah. film, write bars. Oh yeah. Uh, put on beat. I wrote songs at your crib. I used to bring beat tapes. Beat tapes. Oh, we was beat tape fanatics. Yeah, high tech beat tapes. Sean oh. J. Period beat tapes. Dude, Sean J. Period. Yeah. Ooh, the first high tech beat tapes. Like, he's mm -hmm. just taking me back to a moment in time that was like very significant in my growth. And I, I have to say it again, and I'll say it a million times. Thank God for Miss Green them. Cause I remember even like days on my worst days, I could go to Quaz's house and break mm -hmm. bread mm -hmm. and sit in that basement. Mm -hmm. And might fall asleep on the floor and wake <laughs> up in the morning. Yeah. No, for real. You yeah. might wake up in the morning and be like, yo, I'll see you later, man. I'm gonna yep. go to the house. And we do it all over again. Or then, yo, Nat, tribe is playing it in the city tonight. Yo, you 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 trying to rock? Mm -hmm. right, I'm gonna fall back. Right. All right, see you tomorrow. I'm going. Right. <laughs> you know, like, right. I was going everything. <laughs> so um, that's why I say that. 
uh, you battled MC Juice in one of the possibly like, greatest freestyle battles. Uh, what was your mindset going into that? Oh, wow. Ooh. Well, you know what? I think we should get some history first. I think before we talk about the Juice battle, we should we should get oh we should get there's a lot more story backstory before that I, think I know should, where he's I know where you probably yeah I think we should talk that. about the deal first yeah I think there should be history because I think for the listeners who don't know the story the juice battle is very important it is very important it's, it's very a, important. It, it's very important but yeah if we gotta go a little bit back just a little bit yeah some context we would have to start with the record deal yeah like the Buddha blessed single was out um you linked up with Karis one talk about me and Karis one okay so let me let me give it to you like this the way that this whole thing happened I'll condense it so it'll be short. Um, I met a kid from Rhyming in the Park because we kind of skipped over a few things. Mm -hmm. Rhyming in the Park, dude named Speedy Richie used to come to the park, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Speedy Richie was a bike messenger. He used to take all of the tapes and all of the things into the record labels. So Speedy Richie was like, yo, you super nice. Like, I know this dude is at a label. I should, t We could get you up there. I was like, people used to say that to me all the time. So I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. Mm -hmm. One day Speedy Richie comes to the park. He, he goes, please, come with me. We went, we met this kid named Alex Strail. Mm -hmm. Alex Strail was from Sweden. He was um, a student at Parsons University, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think, if that's a school, I might be wrong. But anyway, he was a Parsons student. Parsons is school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. College. So he um, he had the ends. Mm -hmm. So he started taking us to record labels the whole week after he heard me rhyme. Mm -hmm. When he heard me rhyme, he called one person to hear me rhyme. And he was like, yo, we got to get you on this dude's show. Mm -hmm. That would be Bobito, mm -hmm. Stretch and Bob. Bobito. Yeah. <laughs> Cucumber Slice. What's up, yeah. son? So, you know, um, he got me on that, and we went up there, and I I, I wrecked the show. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they they liked me or whatever, and they was like, yo, this is crazy. Kid is super nice. And that, like, two days after that, we went to Electra Records. Mm -hmm. I walked in. I didn't know who she was at the time. But he had already kind of, you know, filled me in. He was like, yo, this is Sylvia Rowe, man. Like, she's like one of the biggest CEOs, black mm -hmm. female mm -hmm. CEOs. Matter of fact, she's the president. She runs this shit. Mm -hmm. She's taking 10 minutes out of her day to talk to you. Wow. We got to impress her, bro. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a demo tape. I didn't even have a cassette. All we had was a beat tape. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Those beat tapes. Mm -hmm. Put the beat tape in. I said, hey, Sylvia. Gave her the remote control to the TV. I said, you can turn to any channel you want, and I'll rap whatever on the screen. Mm -hmm. She was like, oh, this is on, boom. I hit the tape, started rhyming. I rhymed about seven channels, and she turned the TV off. She was like, look, can you be back here tomorrow at 530? <laughs> mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm young. I'm 19. Right. I'm like, yeah, for sure. So, of course, next day we go back. The rest was history. I got a deal. But I remember us walking out of the label and the dude, Alex, grabbed me and really let me know the severity of what had just happened. Mm -hmm. He said, yo, do you, said, know, yo, you on. Do you know who that is? Right. You know me, I'm Brooklyn with y'all every day. So mm -hmm. I'm just like, nah, I don't know who that is. I, I mean, no disrespect to Sylvia. I right. mean, she's a brilliant woman. But at that point, I didn't know. And uh, the next day when I went back, that's when the fun started. Mm -hmm. You know, so she had told everybody, yo, he can rap about anything. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, this is a executive. Yeah. This is be, before the, the CEOs of today, you know, right. she was that, that lady. So she's like, yo, he can rap about anything, you know, whatever. So I went to the A&R's office 
and he he was from South Africa. His name was Jerome, and he had like a, a British accent. And he was like, "Yeah, everybody's talking about you, mate, around the around the office, bro. Like, we want to hear you what you do. Don't start. What, <laughs> what would I start doing? I'm just so, sitting here listening. She just breaks out into the British, British accent every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, well, it I'm, happens. I'm, I'm really from Manchester, and I talk in my American accent. For the uh, show, Estelle already told her that's not how people from Manchester sound. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't she think. Know everyone in Manchester. You know, they all have different swings. She doesn't know every single person. It's a good British accent, but there's a lot of different. Shout out to Estelle, though. That's my boo. So. Yes, <laughs> Jerome. Jerome had this. He was this smooth, suave cat. And anyway, I started rhyming in his office, and he had a big ass stack of records on the desk. And I started picking the records up one by one. Mm -hmm. And he really bugged out. Mm -hmm. He's like, "This is fucking crazy, bro." He leaves out the office and locks the door. He locked me in his office, <laughs> which was wow. creepy back then. Right. He went and goes against two other people and brings them back. So it became this whole novelty of like, can he really do this shit? Mm -hmm. Long story short, from getting that signed. They put me in the New Music Seminar, mm -hmm. which was this big thing that I had read about in mm -hmm. Right On Magazine mm -hmm. in Indiana. and was like, yo, one day I'm going to be in that. Mm -hmm. You know, not thinking that. You were really. Th this right. is really going to be in that. They was like, yo, have you ever heard of the New Music Seminar? I was like, I almost jumped across the table. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Why? <laughs> you know, right. why? Y'all know about this? Right. How do you get into this? Is right. this real? Right. And they were like, yeah, it's very real. Uh, matter of fact, Ann Kristoff, she's friends with Clark Kent. Clark Kent, that's what the S is for on this ring. If y'all mm -hmm. don't know who Clark Kent is, like Shout Superman Clark, Clark Kent. Kent. Clark Kent is like the sneaker genius, dope DJ, mm -hmm. ill producer, hip-hop historian, tastemaker, you know. All-around great all, guy. All-around cool dude. Even mm -hmm. had my even had my runners with him. It's just like mm -hmm. my story runs deep with mm -hmm. this New York shit. So Clark, it was his battle. It was sponsored by Nike. You know, but before the whole sneaker craze had mm -hmm. popped off, we had like big sponsors and they were like, yo, if we could get you in this battle, Supernatural, do you think you could win it? Now you got to think this is a record label. I'm like, hell yeah, of course. You know, I'm cocky. I'm young. Mm -hmm. They said, we can only get you in as an alternate. Oh. I says, I don't care because I'd already had the record deal. Mm -hmm. I already knew I had a deal. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm cool. Like, whether I get in or not, mm -hmm. they got me in. And I remember sitting there as an alternate. I had on a base. Remember the Banana Republic vest we used to wear? I do. I tried to get a job there. I couldn't because I had dreads. Okay. Oh. All right. Now, so we used to wear these <laughs> vests from Banana yeah. Republic. Yeah, they were yeah, beige. Yeah. The Jungle Brothers yeah. wore them. Jungle a lot Brothers, of people yeah. wore them. They were like, yeah, a lot of pockets. They were basically very uh, functional photographer vests. Very functional, you know. But they look dope. Gear. New York gear. Yeah. So I had that on with the shirt they gave me, and I had on a pair of green aviator goggles. You wear go you wore goggles a lot. Back yeah, then. that was my that was my little thing mm -hmm. back then. So I used to wear, and I, that came from the b boy era, like mm -hmm. watching the b boys wear the goggles with the ski mm -hmm. hats and all of that. So I kind of took that from them, but it also lended to like a superhero vibe, like wearing a mask almost. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what it was. And I remember sitting there. And I put my goggles down. And, the, you know, there was, like, dudes from all across the country. They started laughing at me. Yo, yeah, look at you know, this nigga. You, right here, goggles. you got goggles on. Yeah. You know, they laughed. Like, I, was like, I was like, Giving mm -hmm. them ammo makes it even better, baby. So I was like, I said, you know what? I'm going to tell y'all this one thing. I'm not going to say nothing else. All of you are dead. <laughs> and I never said another word. And sure enough, the lady came and she said, honey, today's your lucky day. One guy didn't show up, and I got in a battle, and I ended up winning the whole thing. I battled mad skills in the final round, but 
like all the way up to that, like that was where the antics of Supernatural came to life. Like in comics, they always have this thing where they say it's your first appearance, mm -hmm. like in your comics when Spider-Man first appears in the comics. Mm -hmm. Like Marvel is an entire universe that's like a microcosm that yeah, all lives your origin on. story. Yeah, so boom, that was my first appearance. And all those antics from the imitating rappers mm -hmm. to rhyming about things, mm -hmm to things, the grabbing, I even had a pouch that I used to wear with crystals in it. I threw the crystals on the ground. Like it was just, I put on a spectacle right. that day. And hip hop at that point, it probably never had seen anything like that. Right. You know, so that's, right. that, that's, that was my intro into the game. Right. And then quickly you got a radio show on Kiss. The next year, like, it, dude, it was like a Cinderella story. Mm -hmm. Right. But it gets it gets funky. That's why I said this will make for good TV one day. <laughs> you know, like um, so you gotta think. Park, record deal, mm -hmm. biggest battle in New York, mm -hmm. radio, mm -hmm. the next year. I'm on Kiss FM. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind. Legacy station. Legacy. Keep, now let's rewind. <laughs> Marion, Indiana. What were the tapes that I coveted? Kiss FM. Red alert. Commercials and all. Commercials and all. You <laughs> right. feel me? Now, boom, we jump back. Manifest destiny. Yeah, it, must be. it works. You yeah. see? Yeah. Like, this shit is real, bro. Like, sometimes people don't really understand, like, how deep mm -hmm. it is. That's why I think I chose this name, because mm -hmm. I have these anomalies happen in my life right. all the time. So, you know, boom, I get on the radio station. Now, I'm the talk of the town. Keep in mind you, at this point, there's never been an MC up to that point that had his own radio show. Right. That interviewed rappers right. on the air. That didn't happen. That had freestyle moments on the air. Right. None of that shit existed. None of it. You're right. Matter of fact, since we keeping it real tonight, the bombs that you hear Funkmaster Flex drop were dropped by us first. Mm -hmm. And we had a sh we were the bomb squad. You know, Casico, mm -hmm. uh, DJ Ace, DJ Enough. Crowd motivator. And, and supernatural. DJ and, and we used to go, you know, a lot of people probably had those carts. They're mm -hmm. called carts. You know, you slam them in, mm -hmm. you play them, but we use that as our moniker. Right. So that was one of the first times the bombs was dropped. Right. You know, and that's how I met KRS One mm -hmm. because I used to interview. I interviewed Fat Joe, KRS, Mad Lion, Smith and Wesson. Right. He was the original Dwellers. podcast, original hip hop podcast mm -hmm. before before <laughs> any of that shit was. You know, right. so Thing, yeah. now you got all of this stuff in play. One year later. Craig G battle happens. Now, Lyricist Lounge was a big thing. Huge. Uh, Danny uh, Castro and Anthony Marshall. Yep. Um, you know, huge, huge impact on the culture. Huge contribution to the culture. But, so you had a situation where Stretch and Bob, you, you, you're a favorite on Stretch and Bob at this point. Yep. And Craig G at this point was Craig G from the symphony. Like, if you... if you in the was Juice in, Crew. And the Juice Crew. If you was in the, if you was in the culture... You knew that Craig G had bars. You knew he could drop signs, but that's the only record that people knew. Like I, right. I feel like if you wasn't if you wasn't the type of person who went to Washington Square Park and saw a super nat freestyle, you didn't know Craig G was even that type of MC. I didn't. A lot of people. To be didn't. honest, I didn't. You 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 knew Craig G was okay. He's dropping science. He's the Juice Crew. This and that. Now, Bobito and them knew, and the listeners. A Bobito show. A that was new. that was what was so dope about New York. Yeah, you had to be in the know on you certain had to be cats. In the know. And so when Bobito and them Excuse start me. doing, asking their fans who people want to see battle, 
the fans keep coming back. Their fans kept coming back and saying, Super Nat Craig G, Super Nat Craig G. So now we have the new music seminar, and this is a, a different, a next year. It's the next year, yeah. The continuation right? of what happened right. last You're year. You're hosting Lyricist Lounge. Mm-hmm. And Anthony, I'm there in the building. Everybody me, was there, Me, Juju Rubik's, my whole crew, we there in the building. Was there. You know, it's in a, it's in a banquet ballroom. It was at the Sheraton Ballroom. The ballroom of the Sheraton. Probably held about 5,000 people, man. Right. We all in there. And uh, Anthony Marshall gets on the mic and says, well, you know, we've been hearing that people want to hear you about Craig G. Craig G's here. Oh, oh my God. Right? Another putting you on the spot. Put him on the spot, right? <laughs> so now... I'm, I know Anthony Marshall. I know Danny Castro. I like these guys. I've I made money with them. Um, in Lyricist Lounge days, when I was first coming up, they used to diss me. They used to be like, nah, Quali, you ain't ready. Mm-hmm. And they were right. I wasn't mm-hmm. ready. They they put the battery on my back to me be like, fuck Danny Anthony. I'm going to show these niggas. I'm going to get on. I'm going to get And I did. And when I when I started coming like that, Danny Anthony was like, yo, you nice. And they put me on Lyricist Lounge. See, but I always do all of that. Was right there. I right. knew it. I seen that. I right. Said later for that. Right. So, but you know? so they they but I I will say that they helped me. But what I will say is that they I feel like were felt like it was irresistible to them to they create could, a hip hop moment. They had to, and right. that's it's. I've always been that for a lot of people mm-hmm. in good ways and bad ways. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, all I had to do that night was go. You know what? On my terms. Right. But she was like, what you said was. Craig G, where you at? I said, if he's in here, where you at? If mm. you in here, where you at? By the time right. I was unraveling my locks. He was ready to go. This dude was already on stage running around. Go. He had a 40 in he his hand. He was hype. He was hype as hell. And um, He was hype like he knew that he was coming to battle Supernat. Everybody knew but me. Mm-hmm. See, I think that that was the consensus. And I mean, to this day, it's like kind of a touchy subject to talk about. But at this point, I mean, I'm... I'm, what I'm is the people's uh, party? We, you know, we the people's party. We, we get into the real. Yeah. So it's like for me, you know, it was always like a touchy thing to talk about. But like at this point, it's a part of my history mm-hmm. and I can never shy away from that. So, you know, by them doing that, all I had to do. And this is a lesson for any young artist. Never let your ego control your intellect. Mm-hmm. Your intellect is the moment where you go, you know what? Let me save these bars for another day so that I present myself in the right way. Mm-hmm. My ego overrode my intellect right in that moment. Mm. And it was being guided by others. It's a crowd. It's a crowd of people. You know yeah. what I mean? And, 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 and uh, let me state this. The ensuing battle that happened, battles like that are not about who's the better rapper, who got the best bars, who got the best punchlines. It's about the energy of the crowd mm-hmm. and the energy of the room. And that's what it was that night. Yeah. And I think, too, excuse me, like, for me being who I was, you know, I used to say it was a joke. I was like the white buffalo, you know? Like, everybody wanted to take a little shot at me back then if they could. You mm-hmm. know, I had friends like you, mm-hmm. brothers, and, you know, comrades in the movement. And then I had other dudes that was like, yo, I can't stand this dude. Well, there was a target on you because, you like you best. said, yeah, they, they, like he said, it didn't happen. That never happened before. Where someone won, like, before you won the New Music Seminar for freestyle, niggas was winning the New, new Music Seminar, but not for freestyle. Mm-mm. There was like, was it Steezo? Mm-hmm. Steezo won. Steezo. Um, the other dude that was down with Aladdin, the DJ. Right. But they won based on performing songs. Mm-hmm. There were songs they made in the studio. They came and performed them, got a good reaction, had good bars. And Nat won on freestyle. 
and battling. And battling. You know, going that had never happened. And so what happened was it became a thing where people wanted to test you everywhere you went. Everywhere I so went. So it'd be like, he, I'm nicer to him. And at that point, we was roaming, we was roaming the city like clans. We were like Kung Fu clans. Like we was roaming, like we'd be in Brooklyn, like we heard that some niggas is nice in the Bronx. Look at the over there. Go over there and see them. Mm-hmm. Some niggas nice in Queens. It's going to train. Go. go. Let's go battle them. And that was me and him. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's real talk. It's like, it was always that thing. But when I won that battle, it was like a gift and a curse. Mm. When I got on the radio station, gift and a curse. Mm-hmm. Because I also used to do this thing on the radio where people could call in and leave different little messages. And I would do the freestyles for them over the air. Yeah, and I it really that. touched a lot of people. That. That it was touched, dope. Like those would write in from prison. Mm-hmm. Some cats would write from the yard like, yo, spit a bar for my man Shamik. He up top. Mm-hmm. Woo, woo, woo. And I would, and I would do that. You know, and it became this thing, like, for me, and I, my label, since this is the people's party, we got to keep it real. My label was idiots at the time. I had my own radio show. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to put out a record. Oh, that's crazy, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what I mean about being the yeah, first. We was, I remember well, being with you at that time. It was very difficult at that time. You was like, you went from working for Karis One and did a whole project and then with Gingy Brown. And no matter what you did, there was no, they were like, no, we're not, we're not hearing a single. There's no single. And it used to drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's how me and Kwali became friends because low key, this brother was like my brother and my fucking therapist at the time. <laughs> the a young cat. Mm-hmm. But Kwali's heart was so pure that I could talk to him. And not only that, I didn't know that I was teaching him for the future. Yeah. He's, he's getting to see that, damn, this game ain't as nice as yeah, it is. Yeah, this game ain't exactly as right. cool as That's I thought exactly it was. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. damn, this is the homie going through this. Like, He was the, a superstar in my eyes and the label wasn't treating you like that. Nah. And so it was like, it was, it was confusing to me. Remember the video came out I remember Ralph McDaniels debuted the video and I remember thinking okay this is it that's what you think you, I thought you, right? so too this is it but you don't realize that that don't mean nothing hey let me tell you kids something the day my single dropped I was struggling mm-hmm. I remember coming across the Brooklyn Bridge and hearing my record on the radio for the first time and I remember just the energy that we felt we didn't even care if we didn't have no money right then our record was on the radio doing mm-hmm. what you love you know, and keep in mind, you, I got a big deal. I had a big deal, but I spent all of my money recording music. <laughs> Pretty right. much all of it. Right. Recording music and paying rent. That's mm-hmm. where my money went to. Right. And, you know, to get that far and for a label to go, oh, we still don't know what we want. Like, the only record they took was a record that I wrote about smoking weed. Right. That was and I had super conscious <laughs> records back right. then. Now, um, what people don't remember, what's interesting to me about that Craig G battle with you, is that there's a certain point, Craig G, Craig G had, had, Craig G came with bars about Indiana, and he came with certain bars that people in the crowd was cheering and to the point where they people wasn't paying attention to the battle, it became about the energy in the room. Exactly, because I said some ill shit too. You right, know and I've, I mean? I've had that battle on VHS, and I've watched it back, and I agree with you. Diddy was in the room. Oh God, let's go. Come on, now. he was called Puff Daddy back then. Uh, right, Woo. and when when you see this, if for for real hip hop heads who have gone and looked at this, Dame shit, Dash was in the room. Yeah, I don't remember that, but he's on the stage. <laughs> but, he's on the stage. Look, I'll show you. Okay, he's right in for behind people the stage. who go back and look at this shit on YouTube. You hear people starting to chant, Craig G. Now Craig remember, G. Diddy was a judge the next the, the year before. Okay, that's on what the it battle. Was. That's what it was. Yeah, so, the, the, but the, he he the, started the, chanting for Craig G. He said, "Go Craig!" Right. He go jumped Craig. on the table, and this was Diddy had Bad Boy. He had the Bad Boy campaign. They had the signs. It was all in the was audience. Mobbing. They was mobbing. Diddy. They was mobbing, 
And they jump and when, and Diddy was a, a leader, a natural, I, you know, natural charismatic leader. So he jumped on the making jumped me on the relive this in my head yeah. right now. I'm seeing this started shit. Started saying Craig G. Everybody <laughs> in the room started doing it. And you could not hear me. Mm -hmm. I'm rhyming like blah, 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 blah. you mm -hmm. can't hear nothing I'm saying. That's how it happens sometimes. Nothing. And as soon as I stopped. It was like, it was almost like TV. It's like the volume goes down. <laughs> and you can just hear him like crystal clear. And I was just like, yo, what the fuck? Yeah, like right. the first round was a great blow. Mm -hmm. Second round is when that started. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you something, man. Hey, Diddy, I still remember you. <laughs> I still remember you standing like four rows back uh -huh. and you had on a Fox motorcycle riding shirt. Wow. At the time in New York, that was the shit. That was hot shit. They were, they were like the day glow and they had the Fox on and they were really for like um, BMX motocross. Mm -hmm. And I remember he had on like maybe like a purple or some, it was some fly shit. It was Diddy, <laughs> you know what I mean? Even right. back then he was Diddy. And I remember his, he started that, and he just did it out on some hip hop shit. Yeah, I don't was, think yeah, he was, really intended. I, that's what. That's what. That's the thing. He wasn't. He wasn't invested in the battle. No way, no how. He was the invested in the, bad boy. The energy in the room had swayed to Craig, mm. and Diddy noticed it, and right. so he jumped, jumped on that wave. And that's what did. That's it. what it was. And, and and I swear to you, it was one of the hardest. You know, it's so dope to talk about this now because mm. I'm healed. Right. But at one point, when you're wounded, especially from something you love. Mm -hmm. It's a lot to cope with mentally. So I remember walking back through the audience. Mm -hmm. Yo, Nat got served. Oh my God, Nat's dead. His career is over. Yo, that nigga's garbage. Yo, oh my God. Mm -hmm. I got home. Every five fucking minutes, the phone was ringing. And that's how ill New York was. Right, there was no internet. There was no internet. No Twitter. No Motherfuckers no got on the horn right. quick. Boop, boop, boop. Yo, Nat got his head. He got massacred. I remember I had a Mickey Mouse phone. You know, those ones where the Mickey Mouse is <laughs> And I remember I got so mad at it ringing. I just ran out the bedroom. I kicked it. <laughs> like all the way across the, Like all the way across the room. But it was just mm. that moment in my career where I was like, wow. They can love you one year and hate you, hate you, and hate you the next. Freestyle battling is a lot like roast battling because you're, you're like, comedian. Just, yeah, I do comedy and mm -hmm. I do roast battling. <laughs> and uh, It is very similar. Yeah, because like you oh, can do it. Oh, it's very similar. No, yeah, especially it's very with similar. the energy she in the be room. doing her, Jeff Ross and them? Yeah, Jeff Ross. Shout out Jeff Ross. Uh, that's how I meant to tell Even comedic timing is a lot exactly. like Exactly, but that's the same thing. He was saying how they just start screaming Craig G, and it's like if you get a good chant going, then it just switches it around. But it's just funny because freestyling is like, you know, its own section of, of hip-hop. Can you just tell us about the importance of recognizing that? Oh, freestyle is like... When me and Qua started hanging out, like, freestyle was kind of like just a part of it. It wasn't a prerequisite. Mm -hmm. Would you agree, Qua? Yeah, absolutely. It was, like, it, was, it, was, it was minor league, and it was something we did for spar, and it was something only serious, real serious MCs did. Okay. So um, when I came into the game, because I made it such a thing, I made it my thing, mm -hmm. that naturally MCs, you know, I was talking to Maceo from De La Soul today, and he said, yo, you made Dave start freestyling more. Mm -hmm. You made it. Maceo keeps it so real. Me, me too, bro. Like I, I don't. My, my freestyle ability is not what it used to be. But when I was hanging out with you, when I was hanging out with you, I don't feel like I was nicer than you. But I was nicer than most niggas you because I was stay, hanging out with you. But you could be in the cipher. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. You understood it. Yeah, you understood that dynamic. You understood mm -hmm. that magic. So to answer your question is like, freestyle is a very intricate part of being an MC. Mm -hmm. What I will say for young freestylers, 
You can go look at my videos and see what I did. Are we talking about off the top of the dome? We talking about off the top, mm -hmm. nothing written. You know, you can go look at the videos and see what I did, and you can check those things out. The only thing I ask of the younger freestyle generation is push it forward. Mm -hmm. Don't just do what I do. Yeah. Because I have issue with, with cats that take those routines mm -hmm. and write world's greatest freestyler. And we'll get into that because I want to address a few people that have been stealing things. Oh. Mm -hmm but not paying homage in the way that I think well, homage should be paid. Right yeah, so, you know, there's a couple people... <laughs> there's a couple people that um, recently <laughs> I ran into, and I'm not even going to give these dudes too much credit, mm -hmm. but a couple of MCs that really just took the style, you know, I have a few routines that have became iconic. Right. Three words. Biggie. The three MCs. The underwater shit. The underwater shit. The hand me things out the audience. I used mm -hmm. to save that for the very end of the show mm -hmm. so that people could really get a grasp on what freestyle was. But not only that, say, yo, oh shit, he used this book. I've ran across people 20 years later that goes, yo, man, I kept this at night. This is my wallet, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, he rhymed about my wallet. You know, right. but I'm being silly, but for real though. You know, and... um. Certain dudes have taken those same routines that I've developed 25 years in and are writing world's greatest freestyle. Mm -hmm. I seen somebody write that the other day, British kid. And he said, yeah, uh, there used to be a guy. <laughs> I'm going to my, I know I have to do it again. There used to be a guy in New York City. I think his name was Supernatural. He used to do this. And he goes into my bit. Right. And I'm like, how is That's that? That's crazy. Son. How is that love? Now, That's crazy. Now watch how crazy it is. Mm -hmm. And people go, oh, Nat, sometimes I think you, your imagination is too vivid. No, my imagination is, is exactly what it is. It's reality. Mm -hmm. So a psychologist flew me to England about two months ago. And he wanted to do this whole thing on the elasticity of the mind and how freestyle affects that. Mm -hmm. I'm all in. Right. Oh, this is dope. Some scientific shit so i fly over not knowing that he's affiliated with this dude i was just mm. talking about oh wow and i don't find that out till last week that the guy when i told the dude hi i, I seen your freestyle laughable lol <laughs> you, know, you wrote <laughs> nah, i wrote him that shit because at a certain point you can't put that, master that like that the way you said he's that i'm bull. sorry he's big, a bull. big lebowski is my favorite movie and john turturro as the jesus character <laughs> when he's like Laughable. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like, for me, it was just like, don't put master mm -hmm. in front of your name yeah. unless you master the technique. It's the principle. And mm -hmm. if you were a true master, mm -hmm. a true master of the art form, mm -hmm. I have no qualms with you mm -hmm. because you wouldn't be doing my shit. You would be, be pushing it to another level. Yeah. You'd be doing something totally different. Right. He said, I, he wrote me back and said, I think it would be safe to say that, you know, there's enough room for all of us. The Harry Max, that's another one, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, you and me talked about him a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you know, you go to mm -hmm. Brooklyn and you compare yourself to Biggie. Mm -hmm. Fuck mm -hmm. out of here, mm -hmm. my G. Don't, mm -hmm. don't do that. Mm -hmm. And I mean that with all sincerity. Mm -hmm. I ain't, ain't seen him do in, that. This is new information. It's on me, Complex. Man. Go watch it. It's in Complex video. He's walking past his mural. Oh, mm -hmm. no, he's not. He's walking past his mural. Mm-hmm. And decides to say this. Wow. Pissed me off. Mm. Pissed a lot of people in Brooklyn off. Even Makiba uh, chimed in on that one. Makiba Moonsaka? Yeah, because okay. I posted it. Mm -hmm. And I said, this needs to stop. Mm -hmm. If you haven't put in the work mm -hmm. and the dedication mm -hmm. and the time and the perseverance and the sweat equity mm -hmm. into this shit, then don't call yourself no fucking master. That's right. 
Let the people call you that. Become the people's champ first mm -hmm. and then go master that. And then master mastery again. Mm -hmm. Because if you really understand one thing, mastery is a fleeting moment that we never catch. Mm. At the end of the day, I'm not upset because I can't tell you you can't freestyle. Mm -hmm. But when I see routines that helped hone my craft mm -hmm. being used in, ex in an exploitative manner mm -hmm. and you give me a bullshit honorable mention, I'm not with none of that. Yeah, And, that and I'm up for all that smoke whenever the, they want it. The mention oh. wasn't honorable either. No. Yeah, I, I agree with your assessment. Used to be. Uh, that situation. Used yeah. to. I agree with that. There's a certain hierarchy when it comes to culture that you got to respect. Period. Um, now, you were about to get into the juice battle, which... Oh, yes. Now, that's fun. The juice <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, shout out to Juice. Shout out to Juice. Yeah, I just was on stage with him about yeah. two months ago in Santa Monica. Yeah, shout out to Juice. We still got love for each other. That's Juice a different is a, thing. Juice is a fantastic, super dope MC. What Juice is doing, what Juice was doing in the Rap Olympics era, he beat Eminem, right, at the Scribble Jam. Yes, he did. You know what I'm saying? Like, Juice was 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 killer. Mm -hmm. And so Nat found himself in the situation, just for people who don't know. It's a few years later, after the Craig G. Seven, eight years later. Right? And, and, and you and me, we became close during that time. I That's was going our, through a lot. Yeah, you were going through a lot because it was like, it was, it was that the industry was very, very, very volatile. Fickle. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, you relocated to Los Angeles mm -hmm. at that point. And now Sway and King Tech have the wake-up show and Rap Olympics is a huge thing in the culture. And, you know, you got Chino XL and Eminem and Juice and all these rappers bubbling. And freestyle. Now freestyle is a super competitive, fierce art form. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Back in the days in the park, it was like, it was like you know, you know, rappers had to come to New York to Washington Square Park. Now it's everywhere, right? And Juice is killing the game. And people in the same thing, Sway and King Tech said, who you all want to see battle? Juice Super Nat, Juice Super Nat. All over the air, all over yeah. everywhere. People calling in from Hawaii and, mm -hmm. you know, England and all over. But I didn't really know Son. You know, unfortunately at that time, mm -hmm. I didn't know him. So I remember the day, I was still in New York though. I remember the day King Tech and Sway called me together, you know, like, mm -hmm. like a two-man team. It was like, yo, we got this dude, Juice. Yo, son is mad nice. We think he can beat you in a, mm -hmm. in a battle. I was like, all right. I said, if this time we battle, we battle for the paper. Mm -hmm. I said, y'all got to send me, y'all got to put some money up. I'm not getting in the arena for entertainment anymore. Right. You know, not for y'all entertainment. Right. So they was like, yo, we got five G's, plane ticket to LA, receipt of country club. We'll hook it all up. I was mm -hmm. like, done. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, you. I had never seen Juice rhyme, nor had heard him up to that point. Mm. I'd only heard of the legend, right. you know, the myth of Juice. So I went to Fat Beats, my local pickup spot, and I remember I was asking uh, Eclipse. Mm -hmm. Remember Eclipse used to be the DJ there, and I was like, yo, you know about Juice? And he was like, yo, man, Juice is nice, bro. <laughs> Juice is nice, man. And I'm like, what? like that you know and I, I was asking certain people in New York but everybody didn't know him like that in New York they didn't pay, they weren't paying attention to Swain King Tech right like right. that unless you was really really in the culture in, in the culture but you didn't know so word to my mother I'm standing there and I hear something playing in the store because you know Fat Beach had a TV in the corner the VHS they always used to have something playing that was either hip hop or music oriented and I turned around and I look and Eclipse was like, yo, that's that's him right there. Mm -hmm. I was like, word? And it was the Sway and Tech, volume one and two, right. the wake-up show, VHSs. 
I remember I brought it home. I told my cousin, I said, yo, they want me to battle, dude. I said, he said, yo, you could watch it twice. I had people in my clique that was like that. He's mm-hmm. watch it twice. Mm-hmm. He said, you ain't going to be watching him. You ain't going to get it. Watch it twice. I watched it twice and flew out to L.A. and jumped on the stage. Be Real was a judge that night. It was a lot of people. I think Pharaoh was there. Mm-hmm. It was, once again, one of those nights. Mm-hmm. One of those nights. Charlie Tuna was there. Like Planet Asia was there. Mm-hmm. Rasco. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was heavy. The building was Chino XL. The building was thick. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, looking at Juice, like seeing Juice like one time. I remember I came into the joint and I remember I came in with the hoodie on. Yeah, you had your hoodie? Bit. The hoodie like, like a cape. Yeah, like, yeah, like a cape. Yeah. <laughs> like a cape. Yeah. So, I mean, I came in and I remember um, he, I guess they went to the bathroom. One of my people was in the, in the, in the bathroom with him and whatever and they was like he, Juice was bragging mm-hmm. you know in the can like yo I'm getting smashed Super Natty's career is over mm-hmm. and done with and it was my boy Darcy you see him on the tape he's like this big tall mm-hmm. super brolic monster mm-hmm. he played for the Brooklyn Knights by the way he was a football okay. player and um, he uh, he came back to the dressing room he's like yo if you lose I'm beating you up <laughs> 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 you know, it's just right. jokingly. That's the second but, time we heard of a threat like that. Yeah, I can't yeah. Really if you lose, I'm beating your ass straight up. But you know, he was joking. But still, Seed was one of those dudes that was kind of scary. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the rest that battle ensued, and once again, you know, I came out on top. And a lot of times mm-hmm. when I battled, I just wanted to be an artist, bro. Right, it's love of the craft. It's not to take no next man out or or stop nobody else movement. And you talk a lot about spirituality, so it's not about. It's an, a, a spirituality in a lot of ways is about rising above wanting to compete. That's what it was with me. I never wanted to be a competitive rapper. Right. I really just wanted to develop my style. Right. You was make, competing that night, though. You came and stomping on the stage. Oh, that night? No, that night, you, you know why? On, and you said some shit. That's, that's a master class on how to win a battle. You know why I did that that night? Mm-hmm. Because I told myself, I knew in my heart of hearts, I was there for the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Juice would have been a star right now mm-hmm. if he won that battle. Mm-hmm. Superstar. Huge. Because you beat two of the illest niggas of all time, Eminem right. and Supernatural. Right. That's a hell of an accomplishment. Right. You know, so he probably would have been far beyond. But the only thing that I could, once again, lessons. Mm-hmm. Craig G. Mm-hmm. The lesson was... You were Craig G. Do you go into this with that same mentality or do you go this time prepared? You went in the exact opposite way. So I said, you know what? I'm going to throw my shit in the arena one more time. But this time, like I said, watched him twice. Didn't say nothing else Mm -hmm. for three weeks. I practiced. Mm-hmm. You know, but really, what was I practicing for? I said, I live in the moment. Yeah, freestyle. When that music Actual comes on. Freestyle. Mm-hmm. Now, keep in mind, you, one of my favorite MCs is Pharaoh March. Mm. I love Pharaoh. Me too. My big brother, mm-hmm. my homie, Ace. Love mm-hmm. you, G. He had put out Get the Fuck Up. Mm-hmm. Get the Fuck Up. When I first you did heard, that, you robbing on that beat. Yo, yeah. bro. Yeah. The first time I heard that record, I was sitting in Manhattan waiting on somebody in front of a building. They went in to go do something, and I was sitting in the car. Hot 97 was playing. It's like, new Pharaoh Mars. You know, get the fuck up. Mm. 
I was, Man, like, I was on Ruckus at the time. What the fuck is this? We heard we was in the Ruckus office, like, yo, we about to unleash all the Yo, I swear my mouth dropped open. I was like, this is the dopest shit I've ever heard. Because I knew the sample. I loved Godzilla. Yeah, yeah. So I instantly knew it. I said, oh God, he used that. Like, first of all, just that alone. And then just the intensity of the record. So we all got to pick three beats that night. And that I already knew. I said, I bought the record. You're right. This is the one I I went and bought it and practiced to that. And um I remember we didn't know when they would play. That's why you was in pocket. Well, we didn't know when they was gonna play that beat though. But you was ready when they did. And as soon as my turn came, they was like, and that's when I was like, You did you started stomping like Godzilla. Exactly. Now I get it. Yeah, it was started, he came like this. Yeah. And I knew as soon as he played that, I was like, it's over. Right. I'm winning this yeah. shit tonight. You're not going to embarrass me again. I'm not going to be the sacrificial lamb for you dudes. Mm -hmm. You dudes aren't going to get a laugh out of me. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm riding for mine right now. And that's why I say, look, judges, I got them hypnotized. This whack motherfucker can't even look me in my eyes. Right. Because one thing my father said, if a man can't hold your eye contact for two seconds, he's a punk. Mm -hmm. Don't fuck with him. Mm -hmm. That's Pop Duke. Love you for that, Pop. Mm -hmm. And a lot of you cats out here can't hold eye contact. Some of you hard, hardest of the hardest MCs can't hold eye contact. Mm -hmm. Only because of your insecurity. Mm -hmm. Some dudes become rappers just like why dudes become cops. Right. You know what I mean? It's a lot of power. It's a lot of power in it. Mm -hmm. And you have to know how to relegate and delegate that power in a way where you say, yo, I'm not taking advantage of this person because they look at my light. Right. We have to start to understand that dynamic as MCs. A lot of us have done shit on the road that's not becoming. We've done shit in public that's not becoming only because we have the ability and that power. But that's a false sense of light. That's not true light. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, for me, I started to really hone my spiritual abilities beyond just my freestyle abilities. Mm -hmm. You know, and each one of those things that happened to me along the way has built me up for something. I'm struggling right now. There ain't no shame in my game. Mm -hmm. You know, to have an uh, ability that is so grand and to still have to go through some of the shit that I go through at this point, mm -hmm. I feel like God is building me up for something greater. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so that's why I stick I stick to the script no matter what. I could have sold my soul 20 years ago for the price of a gold chain, mm -hmm. you know, and a few shiny things. But when I look in the mirror, can I look at myself with integrity? Can I still have my integrity intact? Can I look at myself and still have my self-dignity and my right. self-worth? A lot of people can't do that. Mm. No doubt. You know, so that's really why those lessons were valuable. No doubt. Um, okay, well, I definitely have a couple more questions I need to ask. So let's just let's just get into them. We should have known that this was going to be like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Me and this dude don't get to talk like this right. very often. This is <laughs> candid shit. Right. Y'all are getting some shit that ain't nobody else ever I heard agree. me even speak about today. We love For real. Right, right. In a way that I don't do this for everyone. No, and the only no, reason no, I'm no. doing this is because of this gentleman right here. These no, stories don't, you don't get to see me in this light. No doubt. You know, I'm as raw, this is as raw as you ever going to But that's me. why there's a couple of things we have to get to. All right, so go ahead. Okay, because <laughs> of this. Um, all right, so you talk about, we've talked a lot about spirituality and that being ultimate goal. Um, you have a spiritual mentor in John Mason. Oh, wow. And you study Yoruba. Mm. Um, for people who don't know what that is, I mean, I remember seeing you walk around all white. For a year. Yeah. Can you explain what that is to people? Um, Yoruba and Ifa, the culture of Ifa or the study of the Orishas, the word Orisha 
translates to nature. The word ifa means father of secrets. Mm-hmm. You, the Yoruba culture, the Yoruba tribe is one thing, but the actual study of, of the Yoruba culture is we wear these things, we call them alekes. Mm-hmm. Our alekes are our protective beads. They're with us at all times. Mm-hmm. The alekes are presented to you when you become an initiate. And so there are seven African powers that are endowed to all of us on planet Earth. And these are what make up the Orishas. Mm-hmm. And the Orishas are Ogun, Ochosi, Obatala, mm-hmm. Yemaya, Shango, Elegua, you know, and um, Oshun. Mm-hmm. These are the seven African powers. And each one of them are connected to a component of nature. Mm-hmm. John Mason was very uh, relevant in my life because he is my godfather. He's the one that put the Alekes on my neck. Mm-hmm. I became an initiate of his Ile. Ile means house. Mm-hmm. This is the house that I belong to. So this is what Yoruba consists of. And this is the protection system that really has kept me and molded me and held me through the whole, through my whole journey. Like, you know, mm-hmm. from the first time that I knew, oh, seven African powers, what does that mean? You know, you used to see that. You'd see that on incense. You'd see that on yeah, yeah. sprays and different things. But we never knew what it meant. Or you might see it in the Spanish law and it says the seven potencias. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the seven spiritual entities. So Oshun is simply the river. Yemaya is simply the ocean. Mm-hmm. Oya is simply the wind. These are all tangible things. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people believe in intangible things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's how the gods say, you know, you believe that he's coming, you know, back right. to earth. You know, the gods right. always say that, you know, it's an intangible thing that we can't see. Right. Well, I can take Mystery you to- Mystery God in the sky. Yeah, so I can take you right now and go, Qua, let's go sit with Yemaya. Mm-hmm. And we go right to Venice Beach. The ocean is right there. Right. I can say, yo, Qua, let's go see Oshun. The river's right there. When you step outside this door, you will definitely find Oya. The wind blows every day. Mm-hmm. So the African people were smart enough to say that, wow, these spirits and these saints have dualities. The mm-hmm. wind can be just as soothing mm-hmm. and just as volatile. That's right. Same thing with fire, same thing with air, same thing with the ocean, same thing with the river. So that would tell you that they're quite human-like because if I poke you just the right way and say the wrong shit to you right now, mm-hmm. you could become volatile. Mm-hmm. But you got one of the most peaceful hearts on the planet. Hey man, I try. So when we learn to respect nature more, then nature will respect us in turn. Mm-hmm. I don't think people really take that into consideration every day, that nature is the pillars that hold us up. But we take that for granted. So know, people, that nothing we do on this linear level mm-hmm. means shit mm-hmm. without nature because nature was the blueprint for everything that we use. So I have one more question I need to ask you because we were both in the recent uh, Hip Hop Evolution documentary. Yes, we were. It was documented. Uh, you know, Made me proud. Our time, and, and this is what I like about uh, us, our participation in that, is that you had just had your deal, but the record wasn't out. I didn't have a deal. The, the times that they talk about our contribution to hip hop that was important for them to document was when we was in them streets. It had nothing to do with our career to had after. When I'm not, I'm not in there. I'm not in hip hop evolution talking about rockers and get by. No, you know what I'm saying. I'm no. talking about freestyling in the streets. Dude, when you was in Fat Beats. I'm, they showed me in Fat Beats. They, they, we talking about in Kira Books. And look at what you was talking about even back then. Right. You said, yo, you got to have integrity in this shit. You got to keep it real. I'm not here just to be saying, just to be right. talking right now. But that's our contribution to hip hop. Not the accolades, not the sales, but we contributed to the culture. We we stepped in the way, we stepped in it to, stepped to it in a way where the culture was 
most important. Mm-hmm. You said to me, you shared something to me, something with me that was very intimate. You said that your mother, when you went to New York, she did not have no understanding of what being in the music industry meant. She didn't really. And so the first time she understood your success in the music business was seeing you in hip hop evolution. And it was so deep, man. She sat there with almost tears in her eyes and she was like, baby, I'm so sorry. And I said, Ma, what are you sorry about? And she was like, you know, I didn't realize how deep Mm -hmm. you were rooted. But Mm -hmm. the one thing that she did notice as a mother, Mm -hmm. she said, I see Talib, I see Fat Joe, I see Most Def, I see all these boys. You know, she says boys. (laughs) She said, I see all these boys. But my baby still ain't there yet. Oh. She said, what is the problem? What did you do? Or did you do anything for that matter? I said, Ma, I don't know. I said, I get all the accolades in the world. But for some reason, there's that little thing that just keeps me in the corner. And that's why these shows are important. You're the first person that really allowed me to be me today. Mm-hmm. When you are talking to someone that knows you in an interview setting, it allows people to get a nuance or not that they probably would have never got. Mm-hmm. You don't learn a lot from me when I'm sitting in the room over there because I'm more of a jokeful, more laughy type of guy that don't really get to see the serious side nor get to talk about people like John Mason, like you even bringing my godfather up. The reason he knows my godfather is so my godfather wrote almost 20 books that was in the store. He used to bring them to the store and sell them sell him himself. To us, I used to have to write the receipts and give wow. him this change back. And let me tell you one thing about my Baba, man, before I go, that he taught me. And this was the most valuable lesson, and I'm still living through this lesson right now. He said, Nat, you're such this great rapper. The greatest from what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> but when you come to my house, you never bring me a CD, natural. He said, you see over there in the corner? Those are boxes of books. Mm-hmm. I print money. Mm. You don't. Mm. That was the most powerful lesson that I've ever gotten. It haunts me to this day. That's why I'm working so hard to put out this new record called The Frequency. Mm-hmm. You know, and the reason you I know I'm on it, right? Yeah. Yes, you definitely on it. I mean, I've been <laughs> I've been producing. Bit, no, you he, put on like 10 songs today. He's on it. Yeah, he's on it. The beats that I've done, you know, I really became a better producer by living in LA. Sometimes isolation is the greatest thing mm-hmm. for creation. Mm-hmm. And kind of like being in a corner out in Pomona, California. I got there through Rock the Bells, whatever. But um, just being in that corner, it made me take a, a, um, a reflection on my life mm-hmm. and where I want to go with this music. And I'm very far from done. Actually, I want to teach freestyle as a philosophy, almost like as a mental martial arts, mm-hmm. because I feel like that's what it done for me. Right. I tell people, if you think I can't read bullshit, that how do you think I stand on the stage and I can see the dude at this end of the mm-hmm. stage and I'm rhyming to this person mm-hmm. and I'm already rhyming down there. I can see through the bullshit. All right, so with freestyling though, um, and you were talking about the art of freestyling, nowadays freestyling is considered using somebody else's beat and it's not just always off the cuff. What are your thoughts on that? I think there's a difference between the word freestyle and off the head. Mm-hmm. And this has been a debate many, yeah. many years in hip hop. Like I would just, to, to sum it up, in a nutshell, off the head is the purest form of freestyle, mm-hmm. okay? 
But freestyles can also be a coherent written rhyme with no particular direction. Like right. like Quali says, sometimes we just had those moments where we boastful. I'm the illest and I'm nice and woo -woo. Wait, are you, you kicking your written back and forth. Y'all just freestyling. Y'all not making a song or in a studio per se. Right, that's but a you, freestyle. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, I would say like that. But a true freestyle is living in the moment. Living in the moment, rhyming about what you're rhyming about, and allowing it to flow. And I will tell anybody, once you start to tap into that realm as an artist, mm -hmm. you can only become a better artist. Even when you brought up Estelle, I met Estelle as a rapper, as an MC. I didn't know Estelle as the, the, the American boy, you know, mm -hmm. that came later. And that's why I always, that's another one that I respect. And when I see her, it puts a smile. She gives me the same feeling that he does. Right. Because I met them in the mud. I remember she came to a record shop called Real Deal Records in Manchester, she England. Used to work Manchester? Ran that was London. Yeah, and London. shout out to my man Sefton, who I that he owned that 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 record yeah. label. And I just went and worked with him recently in, in London. So I mean the stories can go on forever of what I've learned in this game, but to sum it up, people like Kwali and all of the people that were in the conscious movement, the Soul Aquarians, the Quest Loves, the Black Thoughts, the Most Deaths, the Commons, the J Electronicas, you know, the Bush Babies. I mean, I could go on and name, I, I wish I could name all of them because I, I could. We are a breed of MC that sometimes we don't get overlooked, but we get put in a category that's not the same as the mainstream. Mm -hmm. And I think that what we do is significant to the world and I think that there needs to be a round table with all of us in the room. Mm -hmm. We are some of the most powerful black minds on the planet. Oh, yeah. And I wanna be very clear with this. There is not another avenue that they have given young black people, Hispanics, and even white people that wanna have a voice at this point, mm -hmm. than this mic. That's right. The airwaves are sacred. That's right. Malcolm, Martin, Shirley Chisholm, you name it. The list could go on. I mean, I'm just throwing names out there. Huey P. Newton, the People's Party. People's Party. Okay, Huey P. They live to be on one thing, mm -hmm. this microphone. Mm -hmm. The airwaves are sacred in the immortal words of Ali Lamont. Don't spit bullshit on a man. And on that note, People's Party, we have Supernatural in the house. Give it up for Supernatural. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thanks, Pop. Thank you for Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.